hello and welcome to Happy Hour here on Kennedy Saves the World. And today, Tom Shalhoub is saving me from loneliness. Last happy hour, I uh, drank by myself. You did? But I drank, I drank a lovely mocktail. It was quite nice. Well, I don't think it's that bad to drink by yourself. There's a, somehow there's a thing against it. Yes. I mean, obviously, if you sit alone drinking a lot. But, you know, I will fire it's up a cocktail before my wife gets home. I think that's okay. Yeah. I think a little head start. <laughs> little relaxation after a long day? Yes. She knows what you've been up to? Yes. No, everything is out in the open, so here's what we're doing. We're having a little fruit juice Mm -hmm. in this five-tumbler. Beautiful. You can get yours at foxnews.com, and I think so. I think they're still available, but I've got some some fruit juice in here that I'm going to mix with Red Bull. Oh, my. So it's it's a little bit of a fruity speedball, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think you'll, you'll like it quite a bit. So let's just pour the fruit juice in here, Tom. Beautiful. How's your summer been? I think it's been great, and I can't believe we're coming up to the end of it. Uh-huh. But, have you, you know, and Have you and the girls and your wife been traveling? We did a little bit of traveling. Where'd you go? We went out to Wyoming. Beautiful. Yes, and we rode Grand horses. Grand Tetons? We did. Excellent. Grand Tetons. We, we spent a week on a ranch, and we uh-huh. rode horses, and we that fly fished. That is the coolest thing. I, I, that's a wonderful family vacation. I've wanted to do that and like go to a dude ranch for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, your children are a little bit more amenable than mine, even though yours were born here. Mine are like, nah, where New York is, yeah, you know, swearing and smoking. <laughs> so here we go. Whoops. There it's a speedball. It's spilled everywhere. You can smell the fruit. That's a dainty glass for a man to be drinking, but I'm, you well, know. You know, I really try and change it up. I don't want to get you uh, too hopped up on Red Bull. I know. But I'll there just we go. Isn't that it. lovely? Isn't that a oh. nice color? Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, I think you'll like this, Tom. This is like... A nice end of summer mocktail where we can talk about our dreams and our hopes and our travel schedules. With that thick straw. Yeah. You know, thick it's straw. like something that Thurston Howell would drink with uh-huh. Lovey. Yes. So you and I can be Thurston and Lovey right now. <laughs> Lovey. <laughs> so my old roommate's name is Sherry Howell, and um, we used to call her Lovey. At MTV. Thank you. Cheers to Tom Shalhoub. Cheers, mate. Mocktails. Little fruity speedball. Okay, now i got to keep my pinky on because then it will masculinize the drink. Manly. Man up. Mm. Mm. Oh, that does have a kick to it. It sure does. It's the blueberry juice. There's also a little clementine juice in there, too. Do you always do cocktails on on your podcast or am I special? No, we do a happy hour once a week. Okay. Yeah, we do mocktails. Champagne, did some, didn't do champagne, actually did. I forgot, it was was ginger ale with Jessica Tarlov. Um, I did uh, wine-colored vitamin water with Emily Campagno. Yep. I did um, a mint julep with apple juice (laughs) for (laughs) Janice Dean. So you get the idea. I do. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. it's, it's, It's a way of coming together, celebrating without alcohol, but still plenty of cheer in your cup. Yes. Mm-hmm. How long have you been at Fox? Uh, since officially 2014, I think. But, you know, before then I was hanging around doing red eye and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and Were you a comic before that? Like, yes. Full time? Full time. And I spent most of my, you know, it's funny because I, the other day I described to someone, I said I'm milking off of Gutfeld now, but I spent a decade milking off of uh, Jim Gaffigan. Oh, yeah, great comic, but you still do shows with him. Yes. No, no, no. I, I Mainly, the, the touring shows I do now are 
uh, with Gutfeld. Yes. And but, you guys have a monster schedule. Yeah. And it's great. And I love doing it. But it's very similar. Similar to the venues I used to play with Jim. Mm-hmm. But Jim was a big headliner and I would open for him. And it was just great, you mm-hmm. know. And he also had kids. So he had a certain, you know, temperate style about him, you know, as opposed to other road comics. We would go on the road. His family would come. We would have uh, dinner in Las Vegas together. Mm-hmm. And then we would take in a show and it was, and then we'd go to the pool together and touch dolphins. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I mean, he's a really, he's not only a decent person. He, at one point, I, when Greg Barrett had a talk show, I was on yeah. with Jim and was so struck about how cool he was, but also it was something wild. He had like five kids under seven. Yeah. Like he had, he had just a big passel of kids. Yeah. They all right very, very young. And um and and that's amazing to be doing what he's doing and be so present and funny and writing and still very much a hands-on dad. Yeah, yeah. So it was always that was a good thing to have. Uh, but then I was glad to leave it behind because you know you do these things and you're kind of in the shadow of Jim. Now I'm still in the shadow of Greg, but I'm on TV. Yes. So you know I, I've got my own following now. When you're an opening act, it's it's a good living. It's it, and it and it was great, but. This has offered me the opportunity to kind of have my own audience. And I really didn't have an audience until Fox. Mm. You know, I did all the cable. I, I used to do all these shows and, uh, and, and you'd sit down and do VH1 shows. I would do Comedy Central. I did Conan O'Brien, uh, you know, uh, Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, all these shows, all, the traditional route in stand-up. But, and people would come to see me. They'd be like, oh, I'll go see that guy. Oh, I remember him from that thing. But this is a real following yes. now. Now I have it, audience. It's, it's interesting because it's so different than anything else. And it's Fox has a way of attracting unicorns and, <laughs> and finding a, a venue and an avenue and, and finding space for people for whom traditionally it's, you know, it's like, because what's your other venue? A sitcom? It's like sitcoms are kind of dying. It's not like it used to be. Everyone wanted to be Jerry Seinfeld yeah. in the 90s. Like every comic wanted a development deal and wanted their own NBC show. And that was, that was the traditional route. So what did you do before comedy? I did. Well, I, I dropped out of college. Where'd you go? I went to Emerson. Sure. So I did kind of three semesters there. And then I went to UMass because I kind of was, I ran out of money. I was afraid of going into debt. Yes, of course. Emerson's expensive. Yeah. And I thought I had this thing in my head. I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, move to New York or L.A. and owe all this money. Now, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't care about debt as much because as an adult, I've gone into debt and out of it many times. You know, you, you buy a house, you, you know, you you uh, when the kids are born, you know, you have to you have your car payment and you go into debt for a while and then you find a way to, you know, kind of get out of it. It's it's part of your life. And I was just freaked out by it. But I made a lot of contacts at Emerson that were very professionally Good. You yeah. know, that was a good school. But, so that's, I think, what you pay for at Emerson. Obviously, it's a great school. Yeah. And if you want to learn film and, and TV and management and all those things, it, it's a very logical side of entertainment and, and very East Coast as opposed to some West Coast, L.A.-based programs. Um, I, I think it's great for that. The people that I know who went to Emerson, people like Doug Herzog, yeah. um, they end up becoming like titans in entertainment and they love helping other Emersonians like yes. it brings them a great deal of joy. So I think that's one of the big reasons you go there. But also, do you want to be two hundred thousand dollars in debt when yeah. you leave? I mean, it's I say that I, I don't obviously you can't change anything and I wouldn't change the trajectory of what I did because then I dropped out. I went to UMass, dropped out. I went on the road, 
with an acapella group. Yes. You know, making like 350 bucks a week, but it was the greatest thing in the world. See, that's that's what I try and explain to my kids. The things that the jobs you really want are the ones where you actually don't care about money. Yeah. Like you're so satisfied, you look forward to working, and it takes a long time before you make money at those jobs. They're also the most competitive. So you have to be yeah. better than pretty much anyone else who's doing what you're doing. Now, with the college experience that you had, how does that inform your family? Like, what do you tell your daughters? And does it change where your girls apply and, and what track they take? Yeah, because everybody around them is on the same kind of like college track. You know, they were homeschooled for most of the years. They started doing New York public schools. Then we got involved in homeschooling. We have this great Catholic group that we do homeschooling with. And they're all, you know, anti-establishment because they're kind of conservative Catholics mm -hmm. and they have the homeschooling. But they all have the college fever. When it comes down to it, it doesn't matter who you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, some people have a, a different idea, but most of them get college fever and you can't stop it. No. And you you do. It's very it's very interesting you say that because um, I've always been struck by the homeschool movement and, and I wanted my younger daughter at one point wanted to homeschool and I was talking to different parents. She ended up staying in public school, but I've always been very intrigued by it and very moved by the parents who are committed to it because they're the kind of people who are non-traditional, very cool and very flexible. Yeah. And they really like the homeschools. It's not like you have a classroom and the living room and everyone sleeps till noon and you, you open a history book in your pajamas. Like there are ways uh, it, it's like a quilt and you have different sections that you sew together and it typically makes something very beautiful. So I love that. And I also went to the Sudbury School. And this is one of those things in my life that touched me so deeply. And this is one of those unschooling schools where there are no teachers. There are no classes. It's just... Was it like a hippie school? Every or? kid has a vote. It's very libertarian. Every kid has a vote. And they decide what they do with the money. Do they? And they usually bring experts in for the short residencies. And they explain to the kids, like how to paint or how to do calculus. But even though it's very non-traditional, there are no grades, they all intermingle, all the ages, all the all the groups of kids from every walk of life, they, they all sort of feed each other and they tend to focus and specialize on things, but they all go to college. Like the rate of kids from that school who end up going to college, it's, it's something like 92%. Yeah. You know what it is? Very, my very high. My daughter's now in a, a Catholic high school, Ursuline. You know what the rate of college is? 100. Yes. They all, I mean, 100. Um, but she's looking to do a gap year mm -hmm. because she did it. She went over to England and, and she did a, a Hillsdale program. Uh, and in high school. In high school, yeah, just for like a summer program. Good for her. Yeah, and she loves it. She loves traveling. She loves uh, history and things like that. So they were studying, uh, a, it was like a Churchill program. So she wants to do that again or maybe a service you know, the, the, there's all sorts of Catholic inroads to service. I think that's the best thing for kids. I, I mean, you know, I, I wish more students coming out of high school wanted to do that because it really feeds that empathy, but you also get a sense of the world. Yeah. You know, and, and when you don't see someone's challenges as a roadblock, when you when you really try and help them and find ways around it, it fuels such a necessary empathy that we just don't have enough of. You, know, I had probably the best kind of gap year i just didn't know what i was doing i was going to go to art school but i didn't know art you know maybe maybe performing but you can't go to performing school can you you know that kind of thing i just didn't go so i got a job at a men's clothing store six months there that was driving me kind of kooky yeah. right then i got a backpacking store uh job ems 
but I'm working jobs. And I, in the East Village? No, no, no. It was Massachusetts. Oh, okay. There you go. So yeah. I was like living at home, driving my parents' car to work, you know, working for wages. But I got to work with people. These were like working Joes and Janes. And you see the people punching in, punching the clock every day. When I went to Emerson a year later, I was so serious about school. I was like ready to work and ready to kind of start, you know, buckling down. And all the other Emerson students were just out, they were still in high school mentality. Mm-hmm. They had just graduated high school. Then they partied all summer, whatever they did. They're all drinking. They were the first day we got there. I was all ready to work and everyone's like drinking. And I was yeah. like, what? You can't drink. This <laughs> is like, we got to get down to work. You know, like I just was not, I, I was surprised at the, what one year did for yes. like getting you in your mindset, you know, don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. That is, that is so important. And I had that. I didn't go to college till I was 28. So I had a 10 year gap yeah. year <laughs> and, and did radio and MTV and talk radio for 10 years before I went to school. But then once I went to school, same thing. Yeah. Like I had a working competitive mindset yeah. and, and my competitive mindset was ratings. So it's like, no matter if it was TV or radio, you always wanted to get better ratings than either other people at the radio station or other people <laughs> in TV, whatever was comparable. And so you had that sort of natural competitive spirit, but I was also doing things that were pretty joyful. So I was stoked. Yeah. And I showed up and I was like, oh, no, I, I, that was one of my times in my life where I was shot out of a cannon. And I don't think you should go to college and waste time and money unless you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And if, just... if you don't feel that way, it's, it's not for you. And that's okay because it's not for everybody. Yeah, I love it now. And I think the word's getting out. You got, obviously, Mike Rowe, very famously, has his kind of uh, skills. Mike Rowe works. Yeah, Mike Rowe works. But then there's other groups like Praxis is something. And I saw them, the the Praxis guys were on, uh, you know, radio. And they have a a kind of a internship program where they get you right involved with companies right off the bat. And then you can kind of do work study at the same time. I So I have not heard about that. I think that's the best idea. Like, I wish there were more people, 18, 19 years old, who were doing internships Yeah. because figuring out what you wanted to do before you waste time and, and just fumbling through the dark in college, kind of like hoping to stumble into a major yeah. is such a waste of precious resources, like precious physical and emotional resources that you only have for a finite amount of time when you're that age. How's the fruit juice? It's really nice. Yeah. And... uh but I think the most important part is not to stress over it. Yes. Like I, I've and been telling them since they were little, I don't care if you go to college. I don't care if you get good grades. I hope you do. Yeah. But I hope you learn. But, but I, I don't care. You know, it's you want I want you to like knowledge to continue For learning the sake of life. knowledge. Yeah. Yes. And they've always known that my daughter puts her own pressure on herself because that's what kids do anyway. If mm-hmm. they're if you like if kids are smart they they're competitive they want to do better they'll you know they study for tests they don't want to get a bad grade so they put it on themselves i don't need to lay it on too but don't you find like i it was really funny so going through the college process with my daughter i was the same way i was like i don't care where you end up i just want you to be happy Mm -hmm. like i don't care if it's a better school or a worse school than any other one of your friends or classmates i really don't care because if you go and you put in the hard work and you achieve this four-year project, that's what's attractive to potential employers. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want you to do. And I want you to find something that you really love to do. But there's so many parents who are so involved in the process. 
and put so much pressure on their kids. And, and I wasn't one of those parents because I'm like, it's not mine. Like I went to a bat mitzvah and, and this is something that really struck me. I went to a bat mitzvah for um, my former manager's daughter when she was 13. And I was so struck by what the rabbi said. And he said, now today your religious education belongs to you. And, and I thought to myself, what if we took that through life? So what if your college education belongs to you and you're the one who makes the choices about where you go and what you study? And I and, you know, their dad is the same way, wanted to take more of a back seat and be like, this is yours. This is your responsibility. Yeah. And Jimmy Fallon had a really great analogy. He said, your stages in life, you're really handing the baton to the 25 year old you. You know, what kind of baton do you want to grab from this stage of your life? Yeah. Do you want to grab one from a responsible person who actually did the work and accomplished something or from a deadbeat dirtbag? <laughs> so true. <laughs> but we didn't. I mean, I think guys like you, you actually had a you had a certain amount of success quite young. I mean, you're on television as a young person. Right. Uh, but it, it sounds like you didn't get into the high gear until after you got out of college and you kind of were more focused. Guys like me and Jimmy, we were basically like working poverty, you know, for 10 years, just trying to get people to look at our standup act. I mean, what but I the... think that makes you so much better at what you do. Yes. Like that hustle. It's almost like forging iron. Like yeah. it, it takes, it takes heat. It takes time. It takes discomfort. And no one wants to go through that now. Like no one wants the painful slow track, but that is what really turns you into a complete person. You know, I just saw a v video. It's just one of these things that was kind of like either on Instagram or something, but it was Barbara Corcoran. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, I don't like giving money. You know, they, the sharks, they give money to people. for sure. the." She said, I don't like investing in rich people, I, rich kids. Like they come in, I can tell by their pitch if they're rich kids or not. And she can tell the 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 workers mentality yeah. because they, they waited tables. They understand that side of the business. She said, people come out of business school. They want to start their own business and they don't know. They never worked as a cashier. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to give them money because they're going to, they're going to lose. <laughs> yes. I thought that was such a great thing, you know? Yes. Knowing the value of money. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. And man, when you know that, that you got easy street paved for you, it really changes how you, <laughs> how you view the world and how you present yourself. Yeah. Barbara Corkin is on to something. Is she your favorite shark? Yeah, I like her because she's very politically incorrect. Like, I can't believe she hasn't been sued. She's always flirting with the guys. You know, the guys will come in selling bathing suits and she'll be like, hey, can I take you in the back room? Like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> she's like, you know, dirty old woman. Oh, that's fantastic. We don't have enough of that. That's why Judge Janine is my, uh, my idol and mentor here at Fox. Who's your favorite person at Fox? Or who is someone you consider a mentor? Uh, I mean, Greg's a mentor. Dane is a mentor. She's an amazing mentor. And she is, um, you know, I don't think I have to show anybody what Greg has done because he's the guy who kind of brought me in here. But Dana, behind the scenes, she she gets people together. Like she has dinners. Mm -hmm. And it's no mistake when she invites you to a dinner with this person or that person. Um, you know who else was great was um, uh, Greta Van Susteren. Mm. She was, you know, one of these people who was just tweeting and about like doing social media uh before i even worked here i was doing you know i would do her show and then i would do uh red eye and she knew i wanted to to do red eye because yeah. i was because greg was like getting his own show and she 
So she would tweet out, Fox should hire this guy. He's great. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, not not many people do that. No, not many people like really try and give you a hand up. Yeah. And especially people who are established, like don't be afraid of replacing yourself. Yeah. Oh, no. Because they are, well, first of all, I used to say, you got to be nice to these comics. You, you, once I started working and then the open micers are coming in uh, and the comics, you know, they treat them like, garbage you know yeah. they're like oh Yo, you can open for me maybe you know whatever and i'm like these guys are going to be you know all these open micers a handful of them will be very successful they're going to pass us mm-hmm. and you're going to want to grab onto them on the way <laughs> <Yes>. up <laughs> i remember having i remember having lunch so mario joiner and i had the same lawyer when i <laughs> yeah. when i got to mtv and he was like yeah i'm best friends with jerry seinfeld yeah and and he was like he's been so good to me he sent me on a show and it, it had to be tough because they were probably at the same level for so long. Yes. And it's like, you have to let go of your ego and let someone sort of the stratosphere. If for no other reason, then, you know, you get to hang on and go for the ride. <laughs> yes. And he's still, he's still working with Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, I, Jim has, was doing shows with him and then he was going to bring his guy, uh, Ted Alexandro was working with him. I think he was going to bring Ted and then uh, Jerry was like, no, I got Mario. So he's still, you know, he sticks with his guys. That's great. I mean, but I love that kind of loyalty. Yeah. And I hope that still exists. You know, Adam Sandler is the same way. You know, all oh, the people yeah. in his production company, all the people in his movies are guys that he has either grown up with. Yes. Or was on SNL with. And he's another one that I look at him and I'm like, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. There yes. are so many jerks and there's so many people who treat others badly and someone like that who does well and... I just love the the tribute that he paid to Bob Barker and Oh yeah. And it, I mean he has been another one that and he was always kind of like a punchline among even in the comedy world like hey go do an Adam Sandler movie and it's like what movies that just never stop making money. Yeah, oh the and- one that made 200 million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Don't mind if I do. Like Pizza Sampras's wife. Yes. She's like, "Yeah, I'm Veronica Vaughn, that's right." Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> All right, well Tom, thank you for being here in Happy Hour. It's it's Always great to learn a little bit more about someone and their journey. And you're such a smart person and you were so funny. And I love learning where all of that kind of came from. Hey, thanks. Yes, cheers this to you. Great. Thank you. Beautiful. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. Listen ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.